Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Thank you for your Word. We praise you for your Word. We magnify you for your Word. It's our life. We thank you, dear Father God, we can trust our life to its provisions. We thank you, dear Father God, for our travel guide, the Holy Ghost, who will guide us into all the truth and quicken that word within us and make it alive and living reality within us so that we might walk in the light of your word and be doers of the word and not hearers only. We thank you for it. We're open, receptive in our spirits, attentive with our ears, open minds. We thank you, dear Father God, that this word will cause our spirits to be enlarged and you fill us with all your fullness that we can walk, dear Father God, in the fullness of God. And you'd be able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think by the power of your word and love that's working within us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts the fourth chapter and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Say it with me. There's no other name whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. See, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But what name? Now, we talked about last week, Satan's defeat. We talked about how Jesus annihilated him. We talked about how Jesus came for the very purpose of bringing us life more abundantly. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he came to destroy, paralyze, bring to naught, and annihilate the devil. How many remember that? That's what he came to do. Isn't that right? And we talked about how he was there in the regions of the damned and how... God raised him up from the dead and he stripped the devil of all the authority that he once took off of Adam and raised up and he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of hell. And he's sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high and was seated there. And uh, he did it all for you and me. That's who he did it for, you and me. He didn't do it for himself because he didn't need to do anything for himself. He was already Lord of all. Amen. And he proved that Satan had no power over him anyhow, at all, whatsoever. So he did it for you and for me. Well, are we just going to leave him seated there without understanding or realizing what God had done for him since he did all that for us? Jesus didn't do anything for himself, but because of what he did for us, the Heavenly Father did something for Jesus. He seated him at the right hand of the majesty on high, and also he did something else. He gave him a name, a name that is so majestic, that is so powerful, that every creature in all three worlds must bow to it. And he tells us here in Acts, the fourth chapter, in verse 12, that there's no other name under heaven. I mean, you can't get any higher than that. Given among men whereby we must be saved, but the name of the Lord Jesus. And so I've been instructed of the Lord and led of Him to give us uh, inspirational teaching, informative teaching on the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord, and all that the Father had done for Him because of all that Jesus did for us. Amen? 
So let's open in our Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter and the 18th verse, and let's find out some things that the Master he said Himself. You'll recall what Jesus said Himself concerning His name and concerning His ascension. In the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel in verse 18, we'll read right on through there, we find Him saying to His disciples, All power is given unto Me. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age or the world. Now what a striking statement he makes there. He's about to, to depart. He's about to leave. He's about to go and be seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Yet, he tells his disciples, Lo, I am with you always. I am with you always. Now, if you stop and think about it, it doesn't make any sense. But thank God, because we don't walk by sense knowledge, do we? We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by what God said, not by what we see or hear. Now, God said... Jesus said before he left, I am with you always. Well, how is he with us? It would do us good to note this fact in Matthew 18 and verse 20. You don't have to turn to it. I'll just quote it to you. Matthew 18 and verse 20, he said that where two or three are gathered together in my, what? In my name, there am who? So in my name, there am I. He is inferring to the body of Christ. He's inferring to his disciples that I will be in my name. And if a person would, would just stop and realize that I am in my name and all my power, all my authority, all that the Father has done for me would be vested in my name, then that individual would have the key to walking in the power of God. It's all vested in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when I say Jesus, He is in that name. Amen. He is in His name. Now, over there in Mark's Gospel, the 16th chapter, just before Jesus departed again, this is Mark's account of His departure. Jesus told His disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe, or, more literally, these signs shall follow the believing ones. These signs shall follow the believing ones in my name. Those are the three of the most important words you'll ever read in this New Testament. In my name. In my name shall they cast out devils. In my name, and we could put that in my name in front of all five of these things that would follow his name. In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, they shall take up serpents. In my name, if they drink anything, it will not harm them or hurt them. In my name, they shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. And after he had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat down, and sat down at the right hand of God, or of the majesty on high. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with and confirming, that them is not in there. The Lord working with, that them is italicized. The Lord working with them and confirming his word with signs following. Now, before Jesus departed, and before Jesus left, 
after his conquest over the devil, and he was raised up from the dead, he stood there and he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I am he that liveth and was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and of hell. I'm the one that has all this power. I'm the one that entered into the, into the strong man's house and stripped him of that power. And I said that I was going to divide the spoils with you. I wasn't going to keep it all to myself. I committed my spirit to my father's care and to his hands. And he's the one that said, I'm giving you a name that's above every other name. And all the power of the universe is vested in that name. You give that name and confer it upon my people. And you'll find out that Jesus said in John 16, verses 23 and 24, At that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my what? In my name he will give it you. Hitherto or up until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And in John 14 and 14, Jesus said the same thing, only a little bit differently. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Say it with me. Jesus said, if I ask anything... That is, demand as my rights and privileges anything in the name of Jesus, He will do it for me. Hallelujah. He'll do it, He said. He didn't say there's a maybe so, you know, He might do it. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But the name of Jesus. But the name of Jesus. So consequently, we can readily see that the name of Jesus was going to take the place of the ascended Christ. The name of Jesus would actually take the place of the ascended Christ. He was going to go up there and sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high. But he also said, it's expedient that I go, because if I don't go, then a comforter will not come. And if he don't come, he can't teach you about all the things that you should know and understand. He can't come and endue you with power from on high so that you can have the ability to use my name. So we've got to realize and, and stop and think about it for a moment. Some people say, well, if Jesus was here, I know he'd do all these things for me. And if Jesus was here and I was walking with him like the disciples were, oh, life would be such a breeze. It would be easy. There'd be never, never be any problems. When my kids ever got attacked with sickness or disease, all I had to do is say, Master, Lord, there he is, heal them. And if, if the you know, bank account ever got low and the bills were not paid, you'd say, well, Master, here you are. Just go ahead and let me go fishing somewhere out into the Ohio River and pull up some coins. Amen. Isn't that right? But bless God, I want to share something with you today. The name of Jesus takes the place of the ascended Christ. The name of Jesus in your heart and in your mouth and in your lips just as though, is just as though Jesus were on the scene right now, here in our midst. Amen? Well, it would do us good then to study the depths of the name of Jesus. It would do us good to find out what that name means to the Father. Oh, if we would just realize what that name means to the Father God. If we would just realize what that name means to the devil and his kingdom, and then if you'd realize what that name means to you. I said, if you'd realize what it means to the Father, and know what it means to the devil, then you'd understand fully what it means to you. I don't know what the name of Jesus means to you, but to me, it means it's ointment poured forth. That name to me is as ointment poured forth. It is the power of God. It is the glory of God. It is the omnipotence of God. It is the majesty of God. That name of Jesus holds all the wealth and riches of heaven itself invested in the name. Now, in Hebrews, let's turn to Hebrews, chapter 1. Chapter 1. You will realize that there are at least three ways we can make a name for ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I was never one that was going to look out to make a name for myself. Were you, you, you know, that type of person? I never wanted to make a name for myself. I don't want to make a name for myself right now. 
But there are some people that are just, you know, obsessed with the fact that I've got to make a name for myself. But the Bible says Jesus made himself of no reputation. Isn't that what it says? Over there in Philippians, the second chapter, he made himself of no reputation. No reputation whatsoever. He didn't want to make a name for himself. He didn't come to prove himself, you know, as being somebody. He came to fulfill the will of the Father God. See, some individuals can try to make a name for themselves by their achievements. I mean, we've got names that will go down through history and ring on down through history. Uh, men like that are great athletes, like the name Jim Thorpe. Someone thinks about the name Jim Thorpe or Bruce Jenner, and you're thinking about great athletes. Isn't that right? And that name, he made a name for himself because of his achievements, the things that he did when he was here upon this earth. Well, someone can have a, a great name conferred upon them by a higher or a superior authority. If you just happen to be in the ranks of somebody who's in superior authority, you know, they can give you a name, just like God did. God gave Abram a new name. His name was what? Abraham. Well, he was able to do that because he was superior to Abraham. Isn't that right? And so the Father then conferred upon him a name, Abraham, because he was able to do that because he was more superior than Abraham. Then again, we can have somebody to inherit a great name. Any of you a king's kid? I have any king's kids out there? Well, praise God. Are you in royalty? Then we can inherit a name. Well, just in the natural. I mean, there are kings that are walking upon the face of the earth. We think of men like Rockefeller that are in high positions of authority and have great wealth. And his son can be born into the family and automatically inherit a great name. Isn't that right? He inherits a great name. A president's son or a king's son or a prime minister's son. They just enter right on in and just enjoy the great privilege of having a great name in the earth. Well, it would do us good to study and understand and know the threefold greatness of the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's look over here in Hebrews, the first chapter, and we begin reading with verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in his last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Whom he hath appointed... I was reading that over and the Holy Ghost checked me. Notice that Jesus was appointed heir of all things. How many times have you said, I'm an heir of God, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Did you ever say that? Well, Jesus is heir over what? And you are a joint heir with who? What's that make us? We are joint heirs with Jesus over all things. Bless God. He had appointed Him to be heir over all things, by whom also He made the worlds who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as He hath by inheritance, underline that word, as He hath, Jesus, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. That is, a more excellent name than any of the angels. I think about angels. I think about that angel way back there in the Old Testament when we find out one angel slew 185,000 men. I think about the angels that was running around there in the days of, of Moses when Moses uh, led the Israeli army, the Israelites, right out through you know, the Egyptian bondage. And those, uh, those angels came on the scene and they began to strip the wheels off the chariots of all the, you know, the, the uh, Egyptian people. All the great angels we talk about in the Bible, those two angels that came down in, before Lot's day. Remember when Lot and Abraham and the angels came down and appeared to them? You think about all these great you know, angels. Gabriel appeared and came down before Mary and before you know, Zacharias and prophesied the birth of, of Jesus and the birth you know, of John the Baptist. And we think about the, this great ministry of angels and how God created these angelic beings to be so bright and so glorious. And you think about, you, you don't want to think about it, but you think about even Lucifer himself. 
You know, we think about Michael the archangel and Lucifer, how glorious he may have been and how wonderful he was and how powerful. You know, God created him to be. But all of a sudden, you know, here in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the name of Jesus as being a name that is far greater in glory, far greater in power, far greater in majesty than any name of any angel created in the angelic kingdom. And you stop and think about it and it staggers your mind. The only one that this name can be compared to is to be the brightness of the glory of God Himself. Jesus obtained a name by inheritance. And I stopped and thought about that and I said, well, that means He was born into a great family. He was born into a great family. But then I thought about it a step further and I said, well, wait a minute. How can you inherit something and be born into this great family if you always existed? How can you inherit this great name by being born into a family, a a kingly family, if you always pre-existed with the Father from the foundations of the world? How can this be? And then I began to realize in the great plan of God how Jesus left that realm, or Christ left that realm of glory. He left the bosom of the Father. He became a man throughout all eternity. He gave up all that he had with the Father. He gave up all of his glory. He gave up all that omnipotence, all that that he had in the bosom of the Father, so he could become a man. And then I realized that when he became a man, it was for the purpose of destroying the devil and dying. And when he died, I realized that he had need to be born again. Jesus had the need of being born again. Again, it staggers the mind. It strikes your thinking in an awesome way. You sit back and take in a deep breath and say, this is, this is far beyond my sense knowledge. I can't grasp any of this. I can't begin to fathom. I can't begin to understand. I can't begin to delve into the depths of what this is actually saying to me, that this great, great Son of the living God actually became spiritual death for me. And there He is in the regions of hell. And all of a sudden, He needs to be born again. And as you go on reading there, in that same chapter, I'm not going to give it all to you, but as you go on reading there, he said, To which of the angels did he say at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Jesus had the need of being born again. He was made lower, a little lower than the angels for the purpose of suffering death. And then he took on spiritual death, and he was annihilated by the devil himself in spiritual death. He lied there in the realms of darkness, you know, only trusting his Father God to his spirit. And all of a sudden, the Father God calls out of heaven. Remember Jesus set out to fulfill all righteousness? The Father God calls from heaven and shouts from glory. And He says, Thou art my beloved Son. He gave birth to Him right there. Jesus obtained a more excellent name than any of the angelic beings because He was born into the kingly family of God. Hallelujah. And there he was, and he said to the angels, and he said to Jesus, Forever, O God, is thy kingdom. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Now think about that. He set out to fulfill all righteousness. He did just what he set out to do. And because of it, the Father gave birth to him. The Father gave birth to him, and Jesus obtained a more excellent name than any of the angelic beings. It can only be compared to omnipotence. 
It can only be compared to the outshining, the, out, the brightness of the glory of God Himself, who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person. Now let's look over in Philippians, the second chapter. Second chapter of the, same, of, of the book of Philippians, <clears throat> the same chapter where it talked about He set out to make Himself of no reputation. No reputation whatsoever. Jesus was not the type to go and make a name for Himself. He was not looking to make a name for himself. And you shouldn't be out to look to make the name for yourself. I'm not out to make a name for myself. Anybody that's in the ministry should not be out to make a name for themselves. Look what I did. Look what I'm doing. That's not it at all. We're just setting out to fulfill the will of God. We're just set out to fulfill all righteousness in my life. And, and it should be like that in your life. Amen? Okay. Philippians, the second chapter. One way that Jesus obtained his name was by way of inheritance. He obtained a more excellent name because he inherited a more excellent name than any of the angels of inheritance because of his birth into the family of God. Okay, number two, Philippians, the second chapter. Begin reading with verse 9. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him. See, the Father didn't just, you know, lightly take what Jesus did. Because he made himself of no reputation, because he was willing to suffer death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, that's what that wherefore means. Wherefore means because of what he did previously. Because he made himself of no reputation. Because he suffered the death of the cross. Wherefore God the Father hath highly exalted him and hath given him a name which is above every other name. That name was conferred upon him by Jesus himself, by the Father himself. The Father conferred, hath given unto him a name. It is inferring to you and to me that there was a name set aside throughout all the eternities. The Father God knew that there would be someone that would merit this name that he set aside. He says, I'm going to set this name aside. I'm going to leave it here because somebody is going to have this name conferred upon them in future reference, in future use. He saw it way ahead, you know, way back when, when he first started all things. And so he set this, side, this name aside and he says, I'm going to confer it upon the one that should merit it. And Jesus was the one because Jesus made himself of no reputation. Jesus himself... You know, didn't become nothing for himself, but God highly exalted him and he gave him that name. Now, you think about this. He gave him a name that's above every other name. He's not talking about him being Christ now. He's talking about him being the Son of God, the Son of Man, the incarnate one, the, the God-man on this earth. The incarnation. You see what I'm talking about? He's not talking about the Christ that was in the bosom of the Father. Christ left his position. He came to the earth. He became a man, made himself of no reputation. And God the Father, because of his death, the death of the cross and his resurrection, had highly exalted him. Jesus now has been highly exalted by the Father God. He didn't do it to himself. Jesus is highly exalted. And God gave him a name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Both of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Now think about that. The Father conferred upon him, because of his superior authority, a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things or beings in heaven, of things or beings in earth, things or beings under the earth. And you can just see an inkling over there in John's Gospel, the 18th chapter, when they came out seeking him to, to take him to counsel, to arrest him, to set him up for trial. They came before him and, and, and he said to them, Whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And when they said that name, he said, I am. And they all fell over. They bowed to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. They couldn't stand because of the glory of that name. And you think about that. That was before he was exalted. That's before that name was conferred upon him in its fullness. That's before he obtained the name that's above every other name. 
It's effective in all three worlds. It's effective in the angelic world, in the heavenlies. It's effective over here in this earth realm. I mean, there's not a name on this earth that's above the name of Jesus. You can name many names in this earth. You can name the names of sicknesses and diseases. Right on down, I believe we can get a list of yay long with all kind of names on that list. But there's not one of them names that are above the name of Jesus. There's not one name in this realm that's above the name of Jesus. Amen. Now you think about that. In this, not only in this realm, but also in uh, the realm of darkness. Under the earth. He said there's not a name under the earth. There's not a name underneath this earth. Satan's name, people are saying the devil's on my case. The devil doesn't have any power. The devil's been stripped of his authority. And Jesus' name is above the name of Satan. Can you say it with me? Jesus, Jesus. is above Satan. Satan is not more powerful than Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Satan must bow. His kingdom must bow. And all that's in his kingdom must bow to the name of Jesus. And that name is my name. I'll prove it to you in the Scriptures. Go to Revelation, the fifth chapter, begin reading with verse 1. Over there we find out that God the Father is seated on his throne. He has a book. Written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. In verse 2, we see a, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice and saying, Who is worthy to come and take the book and lose the seals thereof? And there was no man in heaven. Now notice this. There was no man in earth. Now notice this. There was no man under the earth. No man in heaven. No man in earth. No man under the earth. Say it with me. No man in heaven. No man in earth. No man under the earth. Was able to take that book, you see, and to lose the seals thereof. So John began to cry. He began to weep. He began to, you know, just sob and just cry because, look, at here we are. We've come this far, but it looks like we can't go any further. But one of the elders said unto him, Don't weep. Weep not. Behold, look, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and the loose, the seals thereof. Now think about that. There was no name found. There was no man found in all three realms. There wasn't a name in all three realms that was able to take that book, neither to look thereon or to loose the seals thereof. So they said to him, Don't weep, John, but there's somebody, the Lamb of God. Behold, the root of David. He hath prevailed to take the book. And so Jesus came, and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of orders, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a brand new song, saying, Thou art worthy. You are worthy to take the book. Now think about that. You could just begin to see that. We're not talking about, you know, in the White House. We're not talking about before kings and prime ministers and people of authority in this realm. We're talking about all three worlds. We're talking about heaven itself, before the throne of God, before all the angelic beings, before the 24 elders, and before the four beasts, and all those saints that were perfected up there in glory. And there was nobody found worthy. Elijah wasn't found worthy. Elisha wasn't found worthy. Moses wasn't found worthy. Nobody was found worthy. But the lion of the tribe of Judah was found worthy to take the book and lose the seals thereof. And he beheld and saw many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and they were all saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now listen. And every creature which is in where? Heaven. And every creature which is in earth. And every creature which is under the earth. And such as are in the... And all that are in them is, heard I saying. See? We're talking about in the future. We're talking about when these things come to pass. But I want you to know something right now. Those devils, those demons, those sicknesses, those diseases, everything in this earth realm has got to bow to the name of Jesus now. Right now. 
Not off in the future, right now. Every single one of them said, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to his Lamb forevermore. I mean to tell you, Jesus was exalted with a name that is only comparable to the name of God himself. Jesus was lifted and exalted by the Father God to be seated at the right hand of the majesty on high with all power and authority beneath him. Now let's go over to Ephesians, the first chapter, and we'll see another, you know, inference to this. In Ephesians, the first chapter. In the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, you begin over there in verse 17. And here we see Paul praying a most unusual prayer. He's praying for us to know some things that are staggering to the human mind. Stag- staggering to our sense, reasoning, knowledge. And he says, I cease not to pray for you, praying that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, so that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, so that you would know what is the hope of his calling, and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name. Say it with me. Jesus' name is above every name. Every name. Every name. Now see, think about that. He has received a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. The name of Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's powers, principalities, mights or dominions, and every name that is named. Think about that. He was exalted with such a name that there's not a power, there's not a rule, there's not a dominion, there's not an authority in this whole kingdom, in all three worlds that's above that name. And he conferred that name to you and to me. It's staggering to the mind. That's why Paul prayed this prayer. So that we would know and understand what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of that power to me. You've got the power of the name of Jesus. All the omnipotence, all the majesty, all the might, all the authority, all the dominion of that name is at your disposal. Because Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And your, your mind stands still. Your reasoning faculties, they can't grasp it. I mean to tell you, beloved, that means everything in this realm is subject to the name of Jesus. It was conferred upon him by the Father himself. For what purpose? For the church. He put all things under his feet, it goes on to say. He put all things under his feet for the benefit of the church, which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we see here, the name of Jesus was obtained by inheritance. We find out that the name of Jesus was obtained because it was conferred upon him, unto him, by the Father himself, given to him by the Father. And the third way is found in Colossians 2.15. We talked about this. I won't, I won't reiterate many points on this. We talked about this. Another way that a man can have a great name is by his achievements. We talk about great achievements. You talk about uh, achievements in the sports world and, you, and you, you think of a figure like Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. And you, you talk about a great coach. Vince Lombardi. And you talk about, you know, others. Jimmy Brown. Men with great names because of their achievements. Who would Jimmy Brown be if he didn't rush... You know, for more than anybody in the, in, in the NFL. Who would some of these, you know, all these other names that we talk about today, who would George Washington be if he was not the first president of the United States of America? Nobody. Just another name. But no, his name stands out among the rest because of his achievements. 
Okay? Jesus' name is great because of His achievements. Because also of what He did. He achieved a great name because of His conquest over the host of darkness. His conquest and victory over sin, over sickness, over disease, over Satan himself and all his kingdom. Jesus obtained a great name because of His achievements over all the hosts of darkness. And over here it says that Jesus made an open show of Satan, triumphing over Satan in, in His death of the cross, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. That is, the death of his cross. So Jesus, as we said last week, he took a hold of the devil. He brought him to naught. He paralyzed him. He annihilated him. He stripped him of all his authority. He took all the, uh, the armor in which he trusted. Stripped him down naked. He has no power or authority. And he defeated him right there in the region of hell. And because of his achievements, because of all that he did, the Father God, you know, by his achievements, conferred that name upon him. So Jesus' name is great because of this threefold working of God. He obtained that name through His birthright. He obtained that name because it was conferred upon Him by the Father. He obtained that great name because of His achievements. And right now He is seated at the right hand of the Majesty on high with a name that everything under it must bow to in all three worlds. Angels got to bow to that name. Demons got to bow to that name. Men have got to bow to that name. There have been many times and many occasions when people were attacked. I'm talking about in the earth realm. By men or, you know, trying to do something to to, to hurt or to harm or to rob or to steal or to do things, you know, evil things in this realm. When the person would look at that individual and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave my house. They had to leave. They had to go. They had to depart. I think of a fellow right now, a missionary, who was off in the missionary fields and doing the work of the Lord. When a man came to him... He picked up a hitchhiker, put a gun to his head and says, I'm going to blow your brains out. He says, in the name of Jesus, you can't do it. And finally, I'm not going to you know, go to the whole details, but, but the fella uh, took him outside the car, stood him uh, against the car and put, put that gun about six feet away from him and just pointed that gun right at his body and fired all the bullets in that gun. And every bullet fell to the floor, to the dirt. Ineffective. Couldn't hurt the guy because he said, in Jesus' name, you can't do it. We're not talking about fairy tales. We're not talking about stories. We're talking about this realm is subject to the name of Jesus. And it's to the individual that knows the power and the omnipotence of that name and knows how to use that name that's going to walk in power in this realm. It's going to walk in victory in this realm. Go to Acts, the third chapter. I mean, it's, it's, it's very vital and it's very important that we begin to see how the, the disciples, the early disciples, use that name. You talk about Jesus in... in uh, the Great Commission, commissioning His people. And you know, that commission is not for just those disciples. It's for you and for me. Notice He says, I am with you even to the end of the age. This age has not ended. The church age has not ended. By no means, by, at all. The, the church age is still in existence right now. There's no such thing as the early church and the latter church. This is the church age. We belong to the same church that they belong to. And he told them, disciples, he says, go out into the world and do these five things in my name. As you preach the gospel, he says, these five things will happen. They'll follow uh, those that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They'll drink anything that won't harm them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. And they went forth and they did exactly what he said to do. They went forth and preached everywhere. The gospel in the name of Jesus. Now over here in the third chapter of the book of Acts, we see Peter and John attempting... Endeavoring to fulfill what Jesus told them to do. 
And uh, as you can see from verse 1, they were not delivered from temple worship. They were still worshiping in the temple. They were still doing their thing, you know, in the synagogue. And uh, now Peter and John went into the temple about the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And they saw a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb. He was carried and lay daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful to ask alms of those people that entered into the temple. But they saw Peter and John about to enter into the temple. And Peter and, asked, and he asked alms of them. Peter fastened his eyes on them with John and he said, look on us. In other words, he told the fellow, look over here, look at our way. Behold, he said, look on us. And the guy gave heed unto them, expecting to receive, just like a beggar. He expected them to give him some money. He expected them to come and he'll give him some silver, some gold. Expecting to receive something of them. But Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have any. Bless God, I don't care about silver and gold. I left my wallet home with my wife. I didn't bring it. When I go to church, I let her take care of the money. Some of you folks the same way. Just leave the wife have the pocketbook, you know, in a pocketbook. Just take the money in there. Silver and gold, that doesn't mean he was poor. People think that he was poor. I'll tell you something right now about Peter. He had the name of Jesus. I'll show you how poor he was in the next verse. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name. What did he have? What did he have? That's all he had. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones were seized strength, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him, saw him walking and praising God. Now you imagine that. I don't have any silver. I can't buy you your healing. I can't take you to the finest doctor or the finest hospital in this region roundabout. I can't take you to this medical center up here. I can't take you up to the Cleveland Clinic or the Pittsburgh hospitals. He says, I can't do that, but I'll tell you what I do got. I've got something that's far greater than any doctor. I've got something that's far greater than any institution of medical science. I've got something that's called the name of the Lord Jesus, and in the name, rise up and walk. And this guy just leaped up. I mean, he took him by the hand and he took a leap. Man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing took place. A man never walked in all his life. And this name brought power. It brought healing to that man after all these years. And I mean the people, they were all in Solomon's porch greatly wondering. Because they saw this man walking and leaping and praising God. You can imagine this. You can imagine somebody that they saw day after day, year after year, 40 years, sitting there, lying there, begging, asking alms. And they says, yep, it's the same one. They saw him hugging and, uh, you know, Peter and John. And finally, when Peter and John saw that these people were coming over to them and, and wondering what was going on, they were in Solomon's porch, greatly wondering. Peter said unto them, You men of Israel, what in the world are you looking at us like, you know, by our own holiness, uh, that we have done such, uh, or by our own power, we have done such a thing. I want you to know that the, that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that's how you've got to talk to the Jewish folk. Did you know that? You know, don't just talk about, you know, God or just say Jesus. But when you talk to a Jewish folk, you talk to them like this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers. You know, he's the one that raised up Jesus. He is the one that glorified his son Jesus. He's the one that raised him up when you people denied him before Pilate. He is the one that justified him, that raised him up from the dead. Now look at verse 16. And his name. Now note this. His name, through faith in His name, hath made this man strong. Don't look at us. Don't look at me. Don't look at, you know, some power I've got or some power that John's got. Don't come and, you know, get a gather around us and, and start saying, Oh, brother, that was a great miracle. Don't say none of that to us. 
Don't even give us one ounce of the glory or one ounce of the credit. I want you to know that His name, through faith in His name, hath made this man strong whom you see and know. I like that. The faith which is by Him hath given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of every single one of you. Can you imagine the hush? Can you imagine the quietness? We're not talking about Gentiles. We're talking about Jewish people. People that are worshiping God in the synagogue. They're praying that it's God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now they see a notable miracle done, you know, and they want to know what's going on here. They didn't see it happen. All they did saw the guy walking and leaping and praising God. What's going on here? They were the ones that stood there and shouted, crucify him and kill him. All of a sudden, Peter, you know, mouths off like he always does and says, I want you to know that, the, that Jesus, the man approved of God before all of you with signs and wonders of the Holy Ghost, who you denied before Pilate when he was determined to let him go. He is the one that God has glorified and justified and raised up from the dead. And we are eyewitnesses to the fact. And by his name, this man stands before you whole, completely sound. Their tongues hung out. After he preached to them for a little bit while, he said, they says, men, what are we going to do? They said, believe everyone to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they were, you know, 5,000 of them added to the church. But you can imagine this. Then as soon as that happened, the Sanhedrin. The Senate. Look at chapter 4. The Sanhedrin and the Senate and uh, the Sadducees, they were furious. They were mad. They were upset. They said, what in the world is going on? We thought we put this guy to death. We thought we got rid of this guy's teachings. We thought we got rid of this doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. And all of a sudden, what's this commotion that's going on down at the synagogue? What's taking place over here? Well, they put him into question. Look over there, look at verse 5. It came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? And P Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost? Boy, he said a lot of stupid things before he got filled with the Holy Ghost. But when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, he said, I want you to know something, you rulers of the people and the elders of Israel. If we're being examined for the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, I want every one of you to know something. To, and all the people of Israel that by the name, by the name, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised up from the dead, even by him does he stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught at you builders, uh, which has become the head of the corner. And neither is there salvation in any other. Now hear me. He's talking about salvation. This guy, that's, that's in connection with salvation. This guy was lame. This guy never walked. And Peter said, that's salvation, my friend. That guy got saved from that ungodly thing. That guy got saved out there that was for 40 years, about 40 years out there at that temple. And there's salvation like this in no other name but the name of Jesus. There's not another name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Now, I like this next verse. Now, when they saw, verse 13, now when they saw that Peter and John were, and perceived that they were... <laughs> Unlearned and ignorant men. I mean, you can't get any more explicit than that. In other words, here we are in the upper echelon of intelligence. And here's Peter and John, you know, two stupid people. I said to say it this way he's saying it. Unlearned, ignorant men. But they took notice. Notice this. They marveled and took, and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Oh, I don't care how much intelligence you got. I don't care how smart you think you are. You're nobody unless you've been with Jesus. Man, when you've been with Jesus, you can come straight from His presence and uh, people will know that you've been with Jesus. I mean, they'll know that you've been in His presence for a while. Amen? Let's go on and read this now. But when they had commanded them to go aside... I'm sorry, verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing uh, with them, they could say nothing against it. 
They couldn't say anything about the fact that they were with Jesus and what they were preaching was the truth. Was the truth. And But when they had commanded them to go aside the council and they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle had been done uh, by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They couldn't deny it. I mean to tell you something right now, beloved. When you start to walk with Jesus, when you start to walk in the power of that name, you start to use that name and miracles start to take place, people can't deny it. People cannot deny it. They can say all they want to say about you. They can think all they want to think about you. They can talk all they want to talk about you. But bless God, when miracles take place in the omnipotent name of Jesus because of, of your believing and having faith in that name, they cannot deny the fact that you have been with Jesus. You are a Jesus person. They can try to deny it all they want in this sense realm, but when miracles start to take place, bless God, they cannot deny the fact that you've been with Jesus. Okay? But, look at verse 17. So they set out to stop the power of that name, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Don't you dare speak about the power of this name to anybody again. Verse 18. And they called them and commanded them to speak at not at all, or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I mean to tell you, I don't think I teach enough on this name. I could teach the same lesson over and over and over and over and over again until I just can't stop teaching the name of Jesus. It's vital. It's important that we understand and know the omnipotence and the power that's in that name, not for him, but for you and for me. They could not deny the fact about that the power was in that name. They could not deny the fact that the man was 40 years like that, but instantly healed him whole because somebody breathed the name of Jesus over his, his problem. So they commanded him, don't you dare teach anymore. But Peter, he wise up. Look at how wise this man got. He says, but Peter and John said unto them, what is right in the sight of, of God? And, and you, should we hearken unto men and not unto God? Judge ye. He got smart, didn't he? He got wise. I'm not going to listen to you, he said. I've been listening to you for all the years of my life. And ever got me in words in bondage. That's the only place it got me. But I stopped listening to you. I stopped listening to your teachings. I stopped listening to your doctrine. And I'm listening unto God. And God said, preach the name of Jesus. And so I've taken that name and I'm not going to stop preaching it. So, they couldn't uh, speak against the things which they've seen and heard. And so when they further threatened them, they got upset. They further threatened them. They probably tried to beat them, whatever they tried to do. I don't know. It doesn't say, but they further threatened them. Don't you preach or teach it all in the name of Jesus. Now, I like this. Oh, I like this so much it rings out throughout all my spirit. Verse 23. They were let go. I mean to tell you, when somebody, you know, persecutes you, when somebody tries to get you to stop talking about Jesus, how many of you ever had somebody to tell you to stop talking about Jesus? Anybody here? Anybody here? Some people will go home and know what they'll do. They'll get upset. Oh, what am I, all oh, these people. No, don't get upset. Look at when, and when, being let go, they went and reported to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and all that the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they all lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. You created the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for the truth, against thy holy child Jesus. Yes, but listen, listen. Even though they came and tried to stop them from preaching that name, even though they came and they tried to stop them, you know, getting it, getting them into condemnation, getting them into a position like, you know, there's no sense in doing this. We're going to get uh, beat up and defeated and all that. And look, this is what they want to do to us. And anybody else that preaches that name, they always want to, you know, get on my case and try to keep me out of the shop. And they're trying to shun me and shy away from me. Don't get upset. Don't go home and complain. Don't go tell your wife and, and, and get upset about it. Don't tell the people under the church that you're being persecuted. You do what these people did. You begin to cry out to God with one accord with your voice and shout unto God, look, Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. 
That's what you do. Now, Lord, they're talking that we can't build a church. Now, Lord, they're talking that we can't do this. Now, Lord, they're talking that we can't do that. They're saying that we're crazy people. They're saying that this is not so. They're saying we can't take our kids, you know, at home and have them be healed by the name of Jesus. That we got to take them to a doctor. They're saying that we're crazy for this and we're crazy for that. But now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Listen to their voices. And grant unto us who are your servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal. And that signs and wonders will be wrought by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And I'll tell you what, when they prayed that prayer, the whole place was shaken when they was assembled together. It's not like some people, they get shook up by the Holy Ghost and they shake. They wasn't shook, but the whole place was shaken when they was assembled together. I mean, the synagogue, the building, wherever they were, they were shook by the Holy Ghost. The whole place was shook. And they went out and spoke the Word of God boldly. They spake the Word of God with boldness. And Acts, the fifth chapter, verse 12, sees and tells us that the, the prayer they prayed came to pass. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders. How do you think those signs and wonders were wrought among the people? How do you think they were wrought? They were wrought by the name of Jesus. They said, stretch forth your hand to heal. That signs and wonders. Stretch forth the hand. What do you think is in that hand of yours? Raise up your hand right now. You've got the power and the glory. And when you put your hand on like that, there is God's hand. God is working right through your hand, bless God. That's how you lay hands on the sick and they recover. Because it's God in you doing the works. It's not you. It's not me. He says, in my name you shall lay your hands on the sick. And when you say, in the name of Jesus, God takes over. You're not even involved in it. God takes over. You're just a vessel. You're just a channel. And the the sooner we get this vessel to be a vessel of honor, sooner we get purged from all this garbage that, that tries to come against us, the more of that omnipotent power in the name of Jesus can be released out of our spirits, out of our hands. And the glory of God will go forth. Look at over there next, the, the eighth chapter. Here we find out that, G, that uh, another fellow... Philip. Philip was just like you or just like me. They were persecuted. They didn't get upset. They didn't squall. They didn't cry. They didn't get, you know, start screaming and hollering because they were persecuted for righteousness sake. They counted it worthy to suffer shame for his name. You talk about a peculiar people. You talk about a people that didn't make any sense. They just got whipped. They just got beat. And because of their whipping and their beating, they went, ran off down the street and said, Oh, Lord, we counted glory and a pleasure and an honor to, be, to suffer shame for your name. Today, people would just be screaming and crying and complaining. But bless God, they that know their God shall be strong in their exploits. They that know their God shall do these things, and they that know the, in whom they believe, they'll go off and, and suffer persecution for righteousness' sake, and they'll, they'll kind of join a privilege to suffer shame for His name. Shame for His name. Did you hear that? Shame for His name's sake. I'm talking about miracles now. I'm talking about signs and wonders. I believe we should preach this probably once a week. What do you think? The name of Jesus. I can do it. I know I can do it. The name of Jesus should be herald, It should be ringing. Is that all the time we got left? Hallelujah to Jesus. I mean, the name of Jesus should be ringing in our consciousness, in our consciousness. I, you go to sleep at night. It should be saying the name, the name, the name, the name, the name, the name of Jesus. I stand for the name. That's where the power lies. That's where the power is at. It's the power that's vested in the name of Jesus. That's where the omnipotence is. Now look over here in Acts 8, chapter, verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people gave heed unto the things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And those that were lame, taken with palsy, they were healed and there was great joy in that city. Now listen to me. Demons, they had to flee. Those that were possessed with devils had to flee when someone breathed out the name of Jesus. Philip. Those that were lame were instantly made whole when Philip preached the name of Jesus. Look at verse 12. It tells you exactly what he preached. But when they believed those things which Philip spake, you see, concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Philip went on down there and had a revival. 
You say, I wish, I, I wish I'd had the same results that this man had. Well, bless God, he didn't go to some church. He didn't go to some place where they already had a word church set up. He didn't go to some place that had a nice altar and a nice uh, pulpit. And, you know, said, well, invite me to come and preach at your church. He didn't go where people were already dignified and settled in their belief and their faith. He didn't go to some... He went to somewhere where they were ungodly. He went somewhere where there was sorcery. He went somewhere where there was witchcraft practiced. He went somewhere where they didn't believe anything about the power of the name of Jesus. He went where they believed in satanic miracles. Where they believed in all the occult. He went somewhere where they defied God to His face. And they worshipped false and graven images. That's where he went to. And when he got there, he said, I'm going to give you something that's far greater than anything you ever heard of before. I'm speaking to you about the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Did you ever hear about him? He said, no, I never heard about this name of Jesus. What are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you something. See, that gave him his cue. And he says, right there, I'm going to tell him about Jesus. And he started to talk about the kingdom of God. He started to talk about the name of Jesus. He had to tell him good things because it's the good things of God that leads to repentance. Isn't that right? And when he started talking about the name of Jesus, I mean to tell you, even Simon the sorcerer, he had to believe. He had to believe because he saw what it did. Those people that were possessed with devils were instantly delivered. Them demons were cast out, proving that the power in the name of Jesus has power in the satanic world. And those that were sick and with palsy and, and those that were lame, they were instantly made whole. They began to walk. But you see, in this day and generation, especially in the time that we live in, people get so settled and satisfied in what they got, they don't want anything more. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with what I got. I know there is a power. I know there is, a, is glory. I know that there is an unseen force and power that's vested in that name of Jesus that's been given to you, that's been given to me, that when we breathe that name, them, them devils, someone say to me all the time, well, I resisted him and he didn't go. Oh, what an accusation. What an indictment against the power that's vested in the name of Jesus. What an indictment against the glory and power of God, the, the plan of God, the program of God. Had the devil known that his crucifying the Lord of glory would have met his defeat and this exaltation of Jesus, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Would he have? Had he known any of this, he would have never did anything like that. But I mean to tell you, it's already been done. It's a settled fact. He has been exalted. His name is above every other name. And that name is, is power and rule and dominion in all three worlds. The angelic world is going to bow. This earth world is going to bow. And in everything that's in it, the sea is going to bow. That's why. Did you notice he said also in the sea? The darkness, kingdom of darkness, has got about, but he also said the sea. And when he said that, I said, uh-oh. That's how he got them coins out of that fish's mouth. That's right. That's how he walked on the water. You know what he said? He said, I defy the law of gravity. He said, water be solid and hold me up. And he walked out on the water. See, he had to obey it. He set the boundaries of the sea, didn't he? By the word of his mouth. He opposed all things by the word of his power. And when he spoke to that sea and said, sea, be still. Peace. It stopped. At his name. At, his, at him because he was Jesus. But the same thing can happen for you and me. If we'll, if we'll understand and know the power and the omnipotence of that name. We just got started and it seems like it's where we're already over. Where did time go? Oh, glory be to God. Well, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of who? Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. Jesus. Let's all stand together and make a confession of our faith. The name of Jesus is mine. The name of Jesus is mine. It was given to me by the Father. Jesus gave me the right to use it. He gave me the power of attorney to use His omnipotent name. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow of things in heaven, in earth, or under the earth, and all that's in the sea. That name is my name. Thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. 
I preach the gospel in your name. Lord Jesus, I'm a believing one. Demons must flee. For I cast them out in the name of Jesus. I speak with the new tongues in the name of Jesus. I take up serpents in the name of Jesus. If I drink any deadly thing, it won't harm me. In the name of Jesus. And when I lay my hands on the sick, in the name of Jesus, they are healed. They are healed. They are healed because sickness and disease and every name, cancer, tuberculosis, arthritis, no matter what it might be, every name of every sickness, of every disease is subject to the name of Jesus. That means my name. And when I pray for the sick, they are healed. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, thank him for it right now. Ooh, glory, glory. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.